Now, hear the good news and be not afraid. Good morning. Welcome to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. Father PJ, good morning. Good morning, Father. So we have a, one of the greatest saints in our church that we have in memory and this day, let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that by St. Joseph's intercession, your church may constantly watch over the unfolding of the mysteries of human salvation, whose beginnings you entrust to his faithful care. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. At the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, when we're talking about St. Joseph, it's uh, not an, uh, an, uh, an, uh, a popular one or more uh, data about St. Joseph, but at the same time, it's an, uh, remarkable, remarkable in our faith and church as well. So why is that kind, may I use the word, passive role from St. Joseph? So uh, devotion to St. Joseph, veneration to St. Joseph goes back almost as far as, as that of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We have late first century inscriptions uh, with prayers dedicated to Mary. We've got early second century ones dedicated to Joseph. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not a professional Josephologist. Josephologist. There, there, there is a real field of study. Interesting war. Yeah, well, there is a real field of study called Josephology, which is one of the more recent theological disciplines to parallel Mariology. Uh-huh. But the... Um, I think maybe the best way to articulate this would be something like this. The earliest centuries of the church were really concerned with helping to clearly articulate and define um, the divinity of our Lord and the way in which his divinity and humanity interacted with each other and what it means to say Jesus is God and what it means to, means to say Jesus is a man. And all of the Marian doctrines ultimately are derived from sort of that perspective we're trying to, to, to highlight Christ's humanity and divinity. And so, so, so we both call his mother, we both call Mary the mother of God and also insist that she's a naturally human woman simply with special graces. Um, uh, Joseph is a kind of an awkward figure in the midst of all this because if, you, if what you're trying to do is highlight Mary's virginity in order to, to preserve Christ's divinity – then um, then, then it's going to make a lot of sense to not like talk about Joseph a lot because the more you do, the more people wonder about things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as, as Marian doctrine developed and it became very clear, the popular consciousness, the imagination of the faithful, who Mary is in the plan of salvation, then it naturally made sense to articulate more clearly Joseph's precise relation. And that's really happened just in the last 150, 200 years. Interesting. And at the same time, St. Joseph uh, had been calling at the beginning of the pontifical moment from Pope Francis to be including in our liturgy completely in Eucharistic prayer, correct? Yeah, so so uh, this really goes back to St. John the 23rd, oh, okay. whose, whose given name was Joseph. <laughs> so he had a very special devotion uh, to St. Joseph, okay. uh, and... Um, uh, his middle name was Joseph. Sorry about that. But anyway, the, the point is St. John the 23rd is the one who had the, ha, had the great devotion to St. Joseph. And so he initially added him to the canon of the mass when there was only one canon, only one Eucharistic prayer. Okay. And then it was, uh, it, it was under Pope Benedict and then later Pope Francis Benedict's given name, of course, having been Joseph. That's what I was trying to say before. Um, uh, that, that this was extended to all the Eucharistic prayers so that it would just be universal that his name always, his name always be added. Um, 
This is, I'll be honest, historically a little strange. Uh, like it didn't happen for 17 or 1800 years. And, and, and then now it's just become common practice. I think one thing that's worth uh, kind of just the reflection of the faithful on a day like today is that, you know, f- for much of the church's history, like the physical setup of churches that most of us would recognize where you've got the main altar in the middle and a lady altar to the left and a Joseph altar to the right, which is very, very common in, in this part of the world. Correct. Is really a feature of kind of the 19th century. Prior to that, um, and if you go through uh, many of the sort of the great churches of medieval Europe, you've got the main altar in the middle, obviously. Um, and you may well have a lady altar to the left of the faithful, which is to the right of the altar. But the character that occupied the position that Joseph often does now was actually John the Baptist. Mm, um, okay. And Orthodox churches still have their icons set up this way. Um, and, and the reason for that is because you've got, you know, uh, James and John asking after the seats at the Lord's right and left, the, they're not mine to give right. So, he, so Mary goes to his right and, uh, and, and the Baptist going to his left is this sort of nod to the greatest man born of woman, um, the unique role that the Baptist had played. But, but for all kinds of reasons, the Baptist just doesn't really capture our imagination the same way now as maybe he once did the faithful and Joseph does. And in a time when the family is, is so seriously under attack and, and is being redefined, how, how much more important is it to have a faithful father like Joseph uh, standing right next to our Lord and our Lady? And at the same time, that masculine figure about St. Joseph is an inspirational and a testimony for the fathers and husbands as well, you know? And uh, obviously we don't have this uh, eloquent little literature about St. Joseph, but at the same time, the role that he performed with the Blessed Virgin Mary enlightens our husbands and our fathers to perform that uh, not necessarily a passive, more attentive role. The great, uh, late great Father Benedict Rochelle used to say something like, you know, a Poor St. Joseph had to live with our Lord and the Immaculate Conception. And so if anything ever went wrong in the Holy House at Nazareth, he knew whose fault it was. Um, but he's actually getting at something very important there, I think. And that is that obviously, while our Lord's experience is like ours in all things but sin, it is also very different. Jesus was God. He shared in God's nature in a way you and I and nobody else does. And the Blessed Mother doesn't share in that. But she had particular graces from the first moment of her conception that just made this all different. I think, I think part of the reason for Joseph's popularity today is because he's so accessible. Mm-hmm. He really is just an ordinary guy like you or me who got wrapped up in this divine drama. Right. And, and, and that helps make sense of our own lives as we get caught up in the same divine drama. Also, I like to use the word tender. All the pictures and iconography description about St. Joseph never looks like a <laughs> stubborn. Like an angry father, no, a stern nasty father. Like that. No, it's accessible visually as well. Well, know. and it allows, it allows dads to show tenderness to their fathers. Like if the model is, 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 is the caring father of our Savior, then there's no reason for, for dads to feel to be, stilted. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio, provided by Knights of Columbus, Borman, and Pfeiffer Agencies, serving the Catholic families in Iowa. Knights of Columbus is a fraternal benefit society, providing financial security to members and their families, specializing in life insurance, long-term care insurance, disability income insurance, retirement annuities, and you can reach Knights of Columbus field agent Dan Genther at 563-689-6801. That's 563-689-6801. Thank you, and God bless.
Support for Iowa Catholic Radio was provided by Bows and the Florist. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, weddings, whatever the message, say more with Bozen. Bozen.com, 515-244-ROSE. Bozen makes the moment mean more. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from The Ball Team, providing construction services for commercial, industrial, medical, and education projects. Ball Team can assist with pre-construction, site selection, design build, project management supervision. Buildwithball.com. Welcome back to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. And at the same time, this uh, coming 25th of March, Saturday, we have the Solemnity of the Annunciation of the Lord. It's very interesting how this literal date in the month is on a Saturday. And Saturday, normally the Holy Mother of the Church honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary. And coincidentally, we have the Annunciation as well. Why you, we have this celebration at this moment? Father? Yeah, so so th- that's a really wise observation, Father. So So calendars always work kind of in more than one cycle even our own natural like family and human calendars do the same thing right so you've got your your daily cycle and your weekly cycle and your monthly and annual cycles and you've got some days that are fixed and some days that move right correct so like christmas day stays the same but um president's day moves right And, and so the church has the same kind of thing going on uh the feast days of the saints are attached to particular dates uh, occasionally being moved if they if they coincide on a Sunday or something like that. Um, the 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 feast of the Annunciation though is especially important in this way because when the calendar system that we use now was devised in the early sixth century uh, around five twenty five um, March twenty fifth, which was already celebrated as the feast of the Annunciation, w- um, was New Year's Day. So, wow! So New Year's used to be here in in march uh, to coincide partially with the spring equinox so spring new life things are coming alive or being born for the first time animals start having babies this time of year too right like it's, so so it's it's all based on kind of natural cycles but the reason dionysius exetius the guy that created the calendar system that we use wanted uh, a lady day annunciation day to be the um to, to be the first day of the new year was because this is the moment of the incarnation. The, the, the new Adam comes to be in the womb of the Blessed Virgin, and that makes everything new. And it's very precisely, and uh, until today, how the archangel said to the Blessed Virgin Mary, help us to understand the magnitude about this moment in the history of our salvation. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. So always when we implore calling and prayed the blessed virgin mary is not it's full of grace obviously but also the lord is with her as well right so so this is a, a large part of what has driven the church's reflection on the the character and nature of the blessed virgin so something definitely new happens at the angel's announcement but god has already been working on mary and in mary from the first moment of her conception, which is why the angel can say, the Lord is with you. Uh, Sometimes uh, priests, well-meaning, well-intentioned priests, I'm sure from the 80s and 90s, would do dumb things at mass 
uh, like instead of saying the Lord be with you, they would say the Lord is with you. Is with and, 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 and then the people, I guess, are supposed to say and with you, too, Father, or something like that. <laughs> But the, but the reason it's dumb, right, is because God is not with us in the same way that he's with the Blessed Mother. Absolutely. Like it winds up saying something that's actually untrue rather than true. Good clarification. So, 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 so the angel's declaration here to the virgin is different, and neither is it intended as a greeting in the same way that the, the priestly greeting is given, say, to Ruth and Naomi, which is where we get the greeting at Mass from. It, it is rather a declaration about Mary's personhood. God is with her, on her, in her, through her, and has been from the first moment of her being. And that's precisely what has capacitated her, made her able or competent to do the work that God's here going to call her to do. And each time when we approach the Hail Mary in self, it's in a prayer that reminds us that um, enormous and magnificent presence of the Blessed Virgin Mary in this spiritual battle that day by day, especially in this season of Lent, has been uh, great temptations to avoid sacrifice and offerings to God as well, you know. And, and at the same time, I guess that the Blessed Virgin Mary knows us as a mother and wants us to keep us in line. So the association of this date uh, with the Annunciation actually has to do with the crucifixion. Correct. And this is somewhat counterintuitive uh, on modern reading, so I understand why, 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 people, why, why, would, you, why would you do something like that. But um, the Jews were great for symmetry, uh, like, like, like things being symmetrical and, and sort of paired was, was very, very important for them. The psalmody reflects this, right? There's no blank verse uh, psalms. <laughs> um, like they're, they're, like they're, they're all in doublets on purpose or couplets on purpose. And, and so it, it was very important for them, um, the idea that, uh, that a prophet, a great man, a holy man, uh, the patriarchs, were all, all died on the same day that they were conceived. Mm -hmm. So that there was a kind of perfect symmetry for their lives. We mentioned at the top of the segment, right, that the, the, the calendar cycles through. March the 25th has been identified as the date of the crucifixion from like probably the late second, early third century, wow. almost certainly before that, but like in, in the written record from then. So the idea was, well, if that's the date, we might alter the day of celebration, especially so that it can wind up on Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. But, but the, the, if that date is fixed then the date of the Lord's conception must likewise be fixed on the same date. Beautiful. And so, and so that's how we wind up with the date, which is also how we wind up um, with, uh, with the date for Christmas, because it's nine months following uh, the Annunciation. Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid. Exactly as our title in our program, that always reminds us that always through the Blessed Virgin Mary, we approach Jesus Christ himself. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in the face of God, what can we fear? Nothing. If we live, if we Nothing. live in God's shadow, what can get at us? And, and and I think the other thing that's worth noting here, right, is that whenever angels appear in the Scripture, except when Saint Raphael's kind of hiding, um, uh, they always start off by saying, "Do not be afraid." Well, you don't ever have to tell somebody that. Like, I didn't walk into the studio this morning and hey. Say, hey, Father, don't be afraid, because <laughs> like, you would have no reason to fear me. But presumably, the countenance, presumably. the character of angels is such that they are frightening, that they, they do sort of scare us, which I think is worth our kind of remembering, given that most of the images of angels that we have are pretty sanitized and sweet. Like, I've never been afraid of a fat little baby, 
with wings or without it. Absolutely. But, uh, but, but, but I think what, what happens when we encounter the holy does startle us, and that's what the angel's trying to help her with. Iowa Catholic Radio, Be Not Afraid. I heard an old joke that shows the difference between an optimist and a pessimist. A pessimist child was brought into a room of toys. He hung his head low and said, I'll probably break one. An optimist child was brought into a room of horse manure. He jumped in, started digging, and said, There's got to be a horse in here somewhere. <laughs> Now, some of us are just naturally optimists and some are pessimists. But for the Christian, there's something deeper than both those options. It's something called hope. Hope comes from confidence in God's love for us. That no matter what we face in life, God's only motive for allowing it is love. When things look like a pile of manure, you can trust that love. When things break you down on the outside, you can trust that it's part of the plan for your eternal glory and He's building you up on the inside. Scripture tells us that all things work together for the good for those who love and serve God. That's not a call to be an optimist, but to be full of hope. This is Chris Stefanik from Real Life Catholic. Welcome back to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. So we have in this a Sunday and a very interesting Sunday. What is the mean of the word scrutiny? Right. So the three middle Sundays of Lent, the third, fourth, and fifth Sundays of Lent, are, are known as the, the scrutiny Sundays. They're, they're Sundays during which those who are to be baptized at the Easter Vigil are scrutinized um, Uh, and um, and prepared uh, by the Holy Spirit in the midst of the assembly for the for the Easter mysteries. This word uh, scrutare or scrutinare, um, it, it literally means like trash picker or garbage picker. So so what would happen is in in the ancient Roman Empire is you would have people throw things out and then you'd have other people go dumpster dive, essentially go through the garbage and try and find things that people had thrown out that they didn't realize. Kind of like when you were kids and you'd pick up change after your uncle left or something. Right. So, 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 so that's the idea. It came later to be used, which I think is important for us. It came later to be used for ballot counters in elections. And it still is used this way in, in church elections. So like when I was in the order, um, when we'd have elections, The, the, the scrutinizers were the guys who would who would count the ballots. The idea being, obviously, you're not only counting, but you're trying to make sure that they're all legit. So you're determining authenticity. Right. And that's the sense in which the church does these these public scrutinies. They're really minor exorcisms is what the prayers are. Minor. Exorcisms. They're minor exorcisms that are that are, that are done in the midst of the assembly, partly to make sure everybody knows these are the people that are going to be coming into the church. Right. And so if there's any objection or something, somebody should be able to say something now. But more importantly, so that the assembly itself, led, of course, by their pastor, is able to help sort of sift through what's going on inside the person. And, uh, and so the church very deliberately pairs three specific gospels with these scrutinies, with these minor exorcisms, in order to, 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 to sort of strain at what might be in there that still needs to be let go of. So based on that explanation... The gospel for this uh, coming uh, Sunday, in fact, lead us by John chapter 11, verses 1 to 45, in one interesting part of this gospel set. Yeah. So this is, this is the story of the raising of Lazarus, um, which is long, and we'll touch on that. But Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. 
And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, that one will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. How deeply this dialogue, you know? So, two weeks ago, we read the Gospel of the Woman at the Well. Correct. And that's when the first scrutiny took place. And the woman at the well encounters Christ primarily under the species of truth. Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. So, Jesus holds up the truth to her of her own life. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. And in encountering the truth, she's, she's moved to relationship with him. And so, she goes to gather everybody else she knows to be with him. Last week, we covered the man born blind. He comes to encounter the Lord as the way. Before, he can't see. He can't see the way. He can feel his way along, and then he's prone to stumble. Jesus doesn't heal his blindness. He never could see, which is important. That's why he was born blind and not became blind later. Jesus gives him a new capacity. He, he put something in him that didn't exist before, this ability to see. And this, of course, has to do with faith. So faith is the new sight by which we can see things as they really are. Today, Martha and Mary, in different ways, and Lazarus, perhaps preeminently, encounter the Lord Jesus as the life. So the, so the, so the woman at the well has him as, as the truth. The blind man has him as the way. Here we see Christ as life itself. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. And then to prove it, he calls the dead man back to life. Resurrection is an, an amazing encounter for us. And also in a spiritual manner for us, meaning a lot, even if we are not catechumen people. So, meaning a lot. So, back to life in Christ. Back to life in Christ. This is very often, uh, you know, and in the church's history, this has been kind of the default reading for funerals. Oh. And I don't think I ever heard it at a funeral growing up. Um, I didn't realize that until I went to study liturgy, that like where this came from. But the, the reason I think it's important, and I started using it more and more, is because it can feel kind of cruel to talk about calling a dead man back to life in front of a dead person that obviously you and I are not going to be able to bring back to life, right? Correct. But I think the reason, I think the wisdom of the church here in having us reflect on Lazarus in the face of death is this. The bonds that unite us in life can't be shattered by something so shallow as death. And I get that the word shallow can be hard to hear, especially if you've just lost someone you love very much. I understand that. But we really do believe... Those who die in Christ are not dead. Wow. They're simply not. Beautiful. They live. In fact, they live more and, and more fully than you and I do right now, which is why I think so often our relationships with the dead get better once the person has died. All kinds of people struggle with a relationship with their mom or their dad or a close sibling or a spouse, and it's hard. It's just, it's just work until they die. And then once the person has died, it's actually easier to love them. Now, we think that's because emotionally we're less bound up by whatever the stuff was that was hanging us up before. I don't think that's true. I think it's because on the other side of the relationship, that person can now love us the way we, they always meant to 
the way they always tried to, even if they often failed. And if we can experience that love, then it becomes easier for us to love them the way that we were always meant to as well. The love and mercy that endured forever is now discussion how merciful is our Lord with us. But at the same time, this Lent season in preparation for the Easter mysteries that we are coming soon to enjoy is an also and a sacrifice and a worship in our pain, may I say that, to honoring God in this transition. Yeah, you're not wrong at all. Um, This is especially important at this point in Lent when things are really about to amp up and we're about to face the horrors of Holy Week. The Lord gives us a preview of his own resurrection in in the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and that should give us the hope we need to endure what is to come. In that way, could you please send us with your blessing? May the passion of the Lord Jesus and the merits and prayers of the Blessed Virgin as we keep her Annunciation and St. Joseph as we celebrate his feast of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and all, all the saints, grant that whatever good you do or suffering you endure, heal you all your sins, help you grow in holiness, and bring you to everlasting life, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Jesus is on the way to encounter you. Go forward and be not afraid.